What's up, everyone? Welcome to my corner of the internet. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is Crossover Commerce, presented by Ping Pong Payments, the leading global payments provider helping sellers keep more of their hard-earned money. Each episode on here will feature leaders in the digital space to help entrepreneurs grow their knowledge and understanding of the Amazon and e-commerce world. Let's get started. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and welcome to episode 57 of Crossover Commerce, presented by Ping Pong Payments. Ping Pong provides marketplace sellers and entrepreneur global solutions for controlling their domestic and international funds. An account with us enables companies to significantly reduce their costs when receiving or making international payments, all in one platform that help increase operational efficiencies. It saves time and allows sellers to manage their business profits all from a single source. To find out more information, we actually uh, did the work for you. We already put the link to our website in the comment and descriptions below if you're watching this or listening to this, no matter where uh, you're doing so. Again, thank you for joining us live on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, as well as Twitter, or if you're watching and listening to us uh, later on, um, wherever you download your podcast. Again, that's Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, truly wherever you can download a podcast, we are available. So do me a favor, again, for, uh, for those who are fans of the show or if this is your first time Share this episode on social media and hit that reminder button or to be notified of future episodes of Crossover Commerce. Uh, again, follow Ping Pong Payments or myself on social media. Again, that's Ryan Kramer. Just search for me on LinkedIn, uh, uh, Instagram, or Facebook even. You can actually uh, see us go live four to five times per week with leaders in the Amazon and e-commerce space. So if you're watching us now, go ahead and tell us what you think in the comments below. Let us know where you're watching from. Uh, what you're thinking about the show so far, what you would like to hear, um, or just general questions. We'd like to see those and respond to those throughout the episode. And again, if you can't catch us live, make sure that you save the episodes for a later time and tag us in the comments with your thoughts. So about our guest today, um, just wanted to walk through SellerSnap as well as the, as the company that we're going to be talking with today. SellerSnap is a fully automated, proprietary, AI-powered game theory, Amazon repricer, and analytics tool. Whew, that's a mouthful. <laughs> Our AI, their AI algorithm repricer will all apply the optimum strategy for every uh, and each individual listing to maximize profit while avoiding price wars. SellerSnap designed an algorithm to think like a real Amazon seller. That's fantastic. And their technology is capable for detecting the behavior of a specific competitor and making tailored price adjustments to outsmart the competition. Our guest today is actually an e-commerce pro. Originally from Los Angeles, uh, California, he allows SellerSnap, he runs SellerSnap's sales and customer success team from Tel Aviv, Israel, uh, helping professional Amazon sellers level up their repricing activities. When he's not helping guide sellers to the Amazon journey, he enjoys bike rides and playing ultimate Frisbee. Welcome to the show, Ian from SellerSnap. Ian, welcome to Crossover Commerce. How are you doing today? Hey, Ryan, I'm doing all right. Um, thanks for having me on the show. I'm super excited to be here and, you know, talk about SellerSnap, talk about ping pong, selling on Amazon and, you know, everything in between. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we, we just kind of dipped our toes into your background. You said e-commerce pro. That can mean a little bit of everything. So you're a former e-commerce seller or still e-commerce seller or Amazon seller. What does that mean? Um, e-commerce pro. Yeah. So, you know, Really going back um, to my very early years, I was actually 
found myself working in e-commerce from the age of 13 or 14, okay. um, really on the floor of a warehouse uh, at a company called Seller, or, sorry, Sports Section out of uh, Northridge, California. And in that space, you know, I was, you know, it's a summer job. I was doing everything from picking and pulling from uh, from the shelves and getting them into boxes to um, to receiving and documenting all the returns. And even and this was before I even knew I was going to end up in the in the Amazon space. I was taking pictures of you know items that didn't have a whole lot of quantity, so they can move them from the company's. Well, at that time it was catalog business um, and you know website to uh, to Amazon itself, and so um, so from there, you know, I found myself in a couple other roles. Um, again, these were kind of family businesses, um, you know, doing bits and bobs in between school and baseball and things like that. So um, you know, my background goes um, kind of goes back into that, and then uh, from there, you know. After school, worked a lot in sales, worked in the ad tech space, and um, and then I found myself at Seller Snap uh, nearly three years ago. You know, really heading up the the sales and the customer success team, and working hand in hand with Amazon sellers in order to really optimize um, optimize Amazon stores and their businesses in the buy box. That's awesome. So. I, I don't know if I just didn't hear it or you are currently selling. Are you still selling on Amazon or no? So I am not, we're not selling on Amazon um, in any way. Um, but, you know, again, we work with, we work with hundreds of sellers um, with their store on a day-to-day basis. Right. Absolutely. I didn't know if you personally were still, were actually selling on Amazon and that, and that's where that expertise came from. If not that, that makes, that's not a big deal whatsoever. So again, what, what kind of prompted you, that that's an, fascinating story in terms of like you were taking pictures and you kind of saw where where kind of the processes fit almost like the puzzle pieces and how they were going to fit later on when you were talking about taking pictures and whatnot that's really funny and unique in terms of like uh as a kid or at a younger age is that is that something that has always like driven you is how to problem solve for people if that makes sense if that's like uh, i'm gonna find a better solution to do for what is currently out there um I wouldn't say in, it was in terms of problem solving that that's what really sparked my interest. Um, I would really say that what kind of sparked my interest in all of that was was the logistics behind getting something from A to B, right? Because mm-hmm. I really was able to understand that, you know, multiple times a week, the same driver would come every single day, drop off boxes and boxes and boxes full of inventory merchandise. We would unpack everything, sort it um, and inventory it in our own way, put them on the shelf in the warehouse. And then kind of in that same vein, we would be processing those orders, pulling those items right back off the shelf and putting them into boxes and jiffy bags and and getting them out. And so I think that um, I think that part of e-commerce, even though it's not the the part of e-commerce that I work in today in terms of um, in terms of selling really, really interests me is like, is really getting deep down into the logistics. Cause it's, again, that is kind of problem solving, putting, um, you know, finding the right pieces to the puzzle in its own way. 
Absolutely. And again, for those who are listening today, again, happy President's Day. <laughs> we are still with Ian um, before this. I was, <laughs> when I booked this, I didn't even realize today was a holiday for most of our company and for not most people. But he made a great point. Amazon doesn't stop. doesn't matter what holiday you're on. It doesn't doesn't stop. The world keeps turning. It's still uh, business as usual to day to day. So if you're listening, um, thank you for joining us on potentially your day off. But if you're an Amazon seller, definitely not stopping working Probably so <laughs> yeah some something's working uh whether it's like your your team or yourself or you're looking for something uh i know chinese new year just kind of rolled around uh, you know last week it's still a lot of uh still a lot of factories that are shut down uh in that capacity so seller snap i heard ai algorithms or it can basically it's ai functionality and it can think like an amazon seller that is both terrifying and but also amazing in terms of that capacity. So let let me let's dive into it. What is the core functionality of SellerSnap? And then also why this might matter to kind of our overall discussion of like winning the buy box today. Yeah. Um so SellerSnap is was established to really do two things. The first thing is to avoid price wars, to avoid those nasty price wars that race to the bottom. We know that that's a, um, a huge pain point for a lot of Amazon sellers. And so, and the second thing is to get the buy box at the highest possible price. And that really goes hand in hand with avoiding those price wars, because we know that um, we have an effect on our, on our competition, just like our competition has an effect on us. And being able to use AI technology to understand the decisions that our competitors are going to make based on the decisions that we make really put us in a position where we're able to where we're able to kind of think a few steps ahead much like a, a seller would do or a person would do in chess and um, and the idea is that it really separates um, the repricing of a, a rule-based repricer where you would put in a series of rules that says if then uh, if a then do B and instead of just following kind of those really rigid rules, what the AI will do is it understands the situation and will switch strategies based on what's happening in the current landscape. Awesome. So when when you're thinking a step ahead, obviously that that means a couple of different things. You're trying to uh, beat the competition, or you're trying to be, not the race to the bottom, but also like try to outsmart them in that capacity. This is a hand, is this a hands off approach, or is this something more like you have to go and tweak and with it with this technology you have to kind of like tweak it how you wanted to think like put in rules um so that if like almost like ppc right you have to put rules in place like if the bid gets too high then completely shut off and no more no more bidding is that something similar with seller snap that's a that's a really good question ryan so you know there's a there's a few different aspects in there that we have to think about so the first thing is you know if the bid i'm i'm no ppc expert but you know what it sounds like to me is that we're talking about mins, mins and max prices, right? The minimum is the absolute minimum price that I can um, I can get in order to make sure I cover my costs. And the maximum price is um, on the other end to make sure that I'm still giving reasonable prices to my customers um, because that's something that's super important to Amazon um, as well in terms of customer experience. And so we're talking about... Um, and when we're talking about like, is it a hands-on or hands-off approach? Mm -hmm. The ads out of the box, SellerSnap is a really hands-off approach. 
our um, our software is really kind of plug and play. Put in those mins and maxes and turn on the AI and let the AI do its thing. But on the other side, we do know that there's you know hundreds of thousands of Amazon sellers out there, millions of products. And then to say that there's like a one size fits all solution for everything, it would just not be true. And so that's why SellerSnap also offer, offers the customizability to be able to build additional rules and conditions on top of the AI in order to um, in order to really optimize the the technology to work for your individual store, your individual use case. But at, but just like I said, we're looking to um, to be as hands off as possible by using that kind of AI right out of the box. That's awesome. So when um, so a couple things when I think about this, if I'm a seller right now, when when's a good time that I need to engage with a tool like this? Because a lot of like repricing comes with like either multiple products and you just don't have that time and capability to either uh, jump in and kind of watch your competition or uh, B, you're just uh, you're just, you know, you're you're leading the buy box or winning the buy box anyways. What is what is that perfect time that sellers need to look at? Hey, there's an opportunity for, you know, either seller snap to come in or a tool or technology like you guys to come in and, and kind of like support them. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So the question is kind of understanding when is the right time to go find a repricing yeah. solution and implement that repricing solution. Cause mm -hmm. they're, they're two very different, um, two different, right. very different things. Um, the first, so to answer the question about, when is the best time to find a repricing solution is is now you know if you are this deep in a um in a podcast for e-commerce and amazon sellers you obviously have there's a reason why you're here and it, there's a re you're here to learn you're here to understand what the what the environment is like what's new um what are best practices and so that means that you are probably deep enough in your amazon journey that you've experienced uh, the reasons why people need the buy box or need to get a repricer. And that's to win the buy box. A lot of sellers will, um, you know, for the very early parts of their Amazon journey, will be doing it manually. And, you know, that makes sense when you only have a handful of listings. But as you grow and as you scale, you need to work with automation because all of your competitors are. And it's an important, um, it's a really integral tool that you need to implement in order to keep up. Gotcha. And so, you know, I've said this before, um, and I might get crucified for this, is that if you are competing for the buy box and your competitors are, are and you have competitors for the buy box, go get a repricer. And the part that I'll get crucified for is Amazon has a free repricing solution. Um, personally, I'm not a huge fan, but it's better than nothing. Um, right. Doing like, and that's kind of the you know, a lot of Amazon sellers might appreciate that that doing a little bit of something is better doing than doing a whole lot of nothing. Um, and then again, implementation is a different is a different animal. But you want to think about what is going to save me time in the long term. So if you have a repricer handling your automation, that means that you can go and do the other things that you're good at, whether it's sourcing, logistics, or everything else in between. Absolutely. And I think the point that you're making is even though Amazon has a tool, it doesn't mean it's the best tool. And that's not something right. what Ping Pong Payments does is, you know, we know that Amazon has their own currency conversion tool. It's fantastic in terms of 
you know, that that's what exists out there, but it's not always the most cost effective tool, but that's where, you know, solutions like us come into play. That's where seller snap comes into play. So obviously there's where innovation and uh, growth kind of come from. So make complete sense. How, how does it get integrated? So I want to understand, is it just something that sits on top of my seller central account? Like what, what is, how, how does something like this get integrated just for my, you know, my own account? essentially? I mean, um, most sellers at, at one point or another will come across being having to authorize a developer uh, through their seller central account. And that's exactly what we do. You know, we send our developer ID, we get authorized and that account gets set up and then you can get going. So we're basically plugged straight into your seller central account, but it is a standalone app that you would have access to in order to, you know, um, view all the different data points that we offer and you know manipulate your mints and maxes and the and turn on repricing and change strategy and all that other good stuff awesome so yeah that i mean that makes sense uh really quickly look um want to acknowledge the people watching from linkedin hello everyone uh who is watching around the world and they get and i know that we're an international podcast so the questions are going to come from an international perspective. Um, so hello, everyone. Again, if you have questions specifically for Ian or myself, thank you uh, for watching. But also go ahead and ask those below. I know I'm trying to learn. This is a perspective I'm not as familiar with AI repricing tools. So I'm going to ask all of the dumb questions for everyone today and uh, and go from there. Let Ian kind of make, make us look really smart at the end of this podcast. But Ian, the questions that I have are, again, maybe this is something that everyone kind of knows the, the benefits from, but I would like to educate people if this is something that's new. And like you said, they're in the journey. They, they, they really want to do the best they can in terms of like their next step forward. Um, but let's see if we take it a step back further. What is a buy box for people who might have heard the term, but they're like, and they kind of know what it is. Why is that important for an Amazon seller to know? All right. So taking it back, um, <laughs> actually, it was really funny when I uh, when I first came on to Snap, and, you know, I was talking to my friends and family about Snap. Uh, my mom actually asked the same exact question and then I tried explaining it and she was like, oh, this doesn't this doesn't matter to me. This only matters to, you know, your clients. And I like I don't need to understand it. And I was like, right. but wait, like you, you interact with it more than you all know, the time right? exactly all the time and so um so really taking it back what is the buy box in the simplest of terms the buy box is the section of the page on an amazon listings where you see those buttons that's um, either add to cart or buy now and so it that is where all these third-party sellers that live on amazon and selling on amazon are competing for to capture that sale. And so to take that a little bit further, you know, 3P sellers or third-party sellers account for more than 60% of the physical product sales on Amazon. And so that means whenever you go and you're buying, I don't know if it's a um, if it's a bar of soap, if it's a if it's um if it's a brand like you know like Dial or Dove or anything like that, chances are it's a, there's a lot of different companies out there who all have this product, who all want you to buy it from them. And so they're competing to get into that buy box. So when you click on buy now or add to cart, it comes from their inventory and they're the ones to get paid. And so, and so we know, 
Um, and this was a, this was a report uh, put out by Amazon um, already a couple of years ago. And you know, some of the numbers might have changed, but something like eight, I think it was eighty percent of Amazon sales go through the buy box. Right. So, and then even more uh, than eighty percent go through the buy box when people are buying on their mobile devices. And so that means being in the buy box gets you the sales because, you know, there's always additional sellers. And, you know, for those savvy Amazon buyers, they might go to the other page and say, hey, I realize I can pay a little bit less if I wait a little bit longer. But for the most part, you know, people want it now. Uh, people want their items in, you know, in two days. And now I know in a lot of major metropolitan cities, it's even one day. And it's, it's incredibly fast, but again, it's because of the awesome customer experience and because you have those third-party sellers that, that are competing there to, again, get in there, but also, um, and, and to make that sale. So yeah, for, de for lack of a better definition, it's whatever the, um, again, when you add to cart or purchase now, like the one-click solution purchase now, or add to wishlist or whatever, that solution, whoever's it being, whoever it's being sold by, it's from that seller, even though that that product might be sold by uh, 10 different competitors, mm -hmm. same ASIN, same product, same across the board. It might be sold, you know, that's the one seller that Amazon is serving up to you as the person who's searching for it when they when they click on that listing, essentially the first one, right? Yeah, absolutely. Or the or the best one, right? right. So the the algorithm for for Amazon's buy box is it's a closely guarded secret and no one truly knows what, what's going on over there. Um, but there's a lot of assumptions that can be made. And so a lot of the times with repricers and, you know, with sellers in general, it's, we're thinking about simply the, simply the lowest price. And, mm. but it's crucial to remember that winning the buy box is more than just having a low price because other factors that weigh in, are you know the competitive landscape, inventory levels, review status, customer service? Do I have shipping and you know and all other kinds of metrics that Amazon keeps tabs on that may or may not be um, transparent to these third-party sellers. Mm -hmm. And um, but at the end of the day, it does come a lot of the times. It does come down to price when you know there's a lot of sellers that are all kind of on the same level of some of these different. Um, metrics that I that I mentioned, and then and that's when you know pricing is really kind of the key indicator. So what would I would I need to worry about this if I'm the only if I have a patented product or if I have my, the one and only product where this exists in the Amazon ecosystem where there's a copyright or a patent? Yeah, and so I think you're referring to you know um, you know private label or right. white label items. Um, the answer is no. You know, it's there's a pretty big consensus that um, that white label products don't need repricing. Mm -hmm. If you ask me, and let's be fair, you know, I'm a bit biased. I'm coming from a repricer. There are opportunities to to reprice our items um, for different reasons than capturing the buy box. And so while the question of do I need a repricer to capture the buy box when I'm the only seller on a listing? No, you don't need that. But right. you might need a repricer for for other reasons. 
Um, right. Walk, walk me through those reasons why if I'm a private label, which a lot of people are, why would I need to understand repricing software like this? Yeah. So one of the biggest um, one of the biggest reasons is, you know, a lot of times I talk to, you know, white label sellers or private label sellers and they say, look, you know, I don't have competition. And what they're really saying is I don't have competition for the buy box, which is true. But that doesn't mean you don't have competition. And so uh, what we see a lot of the times is that, you know, maybe a seller has, um, you know, I used the example of soap earlier. Maybe a seller has their own type of um, their own private label soap. And because nobody else is selling it, they're not competing for the buy box, but they still have competition because they are competing against the dials and the doves and um, and all the other um and all the other products out there. And so in terms of repricing, how we can think about that is, um, is attaching ourselves to some of these items to understand, uh, to put ourselves in a competitive position. So when sellers are comparing the different products, you um, your price is part of that comparison. So one of the things that SellerSnap has done is we have a, we have a repricing method that's called um, that's called follow related ASIN or follow multiple related ASIN, which is a secondary um, repricing solution. And basically what sellers will do is that they'll take the ASIN of a competitor of a competitive listing. So again, if I'm selling my own, my own soap product, I can take, um, I can take the competitive ASIN of dial and say, all right, I want you to follow their price up and down by minus a penny or minus a dollar. And so I can put myself in a position where I'm actually presenting a better price than you know one of these leading brands and, and try to capture sales that way. Because again, when we're talking about dial soap, there's probably all of these other third-party sellers out there manipulating the price. And so I still want to stay competitive with, that, um, with the price of that the bigger brand as it's being manipulated by those third-party sellers. Does this, um, I mean, that makes sense. And obviously we can go into more like the game theory and, and things like that in terms of like competition. And we'd love to dive into that a little bit more. Does this uh, solution or does repricing look at, because Amazon's a big stickler in terms of having the lowest price out there in terms of where your product's being you know, sold. Does this take into account other locations and marketplaces where it might be, your other competing products or your products being sold across the web, like on other marketplaces, or um, I would say like your competition is selling on their own website. Does that, is it, or is this just an Amazon ecosystem uh, tool? We, yeah, that's a really great question. So we really uh, live and thrive solely in the Amazon ecosystem. Um, and cause you know, that Amazon does keep tabs on the other marketplaces. And so there are things that, affect us and our sellers when that happens, such as suppressed buy box, pricing errors, things like that. But in terms of what the data that SellerSnap uses and the decisions that we make is strictly within the Amazon ecosystem. Okay, that makes sense. And, and that's something, of course, like every uh, Amazon seller has to be aware of too, because Amazon will either, they'll cut your listing or they will suspend your listing if you're not the lowest price on there. Uh, I talked about this on some other uh, podcasts as well for myself is I used to live in the space where 
there's easy ways to manipulate pricing um, in terms of that are, are strictly fair. And But when Amazon looks at your website, or they'll even look at your ASINs and then cross compare them to what might be sold on your websites. There's easy ways to get around that, for example. And again, we can go on like uh, game theory and how to like manipulate price online um, to benefit the seller. You can have it so that it's matching on Amazon, but then you can have like, for example, if you have your own branded website, you can have coupons for your uh, loyalty following. So if they come to your website, say, hey, you can have 15% off if you use promo code you know, thanks or something like that. It will drop you up, price down lower. Amazon doesn't see that as a competition because they can't do the, they can't connect those dots because of all the different backend stuff um, as well. So that's that's if you want to list your pricing even higher and drop it down to where it is on Amazon. Uh, it just really depends on where you want the purchase to be made. And then obviously if you want it to be captured on your own branded website, you get a couple things. You get it someone's email, you get a discount and then you get a loyal follower. So that, that's kind of the the competition. And that's where I, what, what you were talking about pricing and game theory and how do you want people to eventually make it back that make that purchase with you as well. So um, I, I said game theory earlier, talk me through what game theory is and, and why that's important for sellers to really be focused on and know what that is in terms of, you know, just being, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur online. Sure. Um, well, in game theory, there's uh, a few different aspects of that. But what we really focus on here from at SellerSnap is um, it's called this is the is the prisoner's dilemma. And the idea of the prisoner's dilemma, in short, is that if um, if the prisoners work together, they get out. But if they go against each other, they both um, they both stay in prison for for a long period of time. And so. Where seller snap comes into play is that we are, we take a cooperative approach to the buy box, and so that goes into that goes into the price war um, and avoiding those price wars. So, what we're aiming to do is instead of really just going after our competition and and driving that price down, we say, hold up, what is our fair share of buy box? Like, what do I deserve? being on this listing, right? And then from there, we can set our targets and then we set that target buy box share. And once we hit it, we work to raise the price because we're always trying to balance, right? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a difficult balance about staying in the buy box, but also getting at the highest price because they're, they're kind of two forces counteracting each other. So, um, so what we're doing is we are, again, taking the, the, the most fair route that we can in order to hit both of those um, uh, those key performance indicators out that we've been talking about this whole uh, this whole episode. Yeah. So basically raising the price, but also not saying, hey, I want 100% of the buy box. I might have competition who's like, if there's 10 of us out there, maybe a fair share is 10%. Is that is that kind of the theory that you're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in all fairness, if you have ten, um, if you have ten competitors on the listing, that is that's a very flooded listing, if right. you ask me. And you know, one repricer such as SellerSnap is going to have a really hard time moving ten um, ten all at once. You know, because some are going to be some are going to be using repricers, some are going to be repricing manually, some are going to set fixed prices. So we really want to focus on those listings that you know 
we can have much more effect on the listings, such as, you know, you know, when I have one or two or even three other competitors on the listing and we can really all play around with each other. And again, the goal is to try to raise that price. And what a lot of sellers um, and it's, it's kind of funny conversation that we have with customers from time to time is that by using seller snap, we're actually raising the value of the entire listing. And so that means when we raise our price and your competitor comes up with us and, and we say, all right, we're going to give them their fair share of buy bucks as well. You know, they're actually winning. And that right. brings, that brings us back to the prisoner's dilemma right? Where the idea is if we work together, we all win. You know, Amazon is the e-commerce Goliath, right? And there is like, some will argue, some will argue otherwise, but you know, I argue that there's enough of, um, there's enough of the pie for everybody. And so in terms of looking at it from a seller's perspective, when we're focusing, because especially Amazon takes you know, if you're doing FBA, especially you have referral fees, you have FBA fees, you have prep fees, you have all these other things to worry about. We need to focus on profit and profit margin in order to make sure that there is, there's still, there's still turnover. There's still, we're still generating revenue for expanding my business and keeping a roof over your head. Right. So, uh, because really at the end of the day, revenue doesn't pay the bills, but profit and profit margin do. Right. Does this look at uh, inventory levels as well in terms of how it, how it looks at? Are, are you asking about inventory levels in terms of my inventory levels or my yep. competitor's inventory levels? Uh, maybe we'll take one at a time. So if it right. does this, does this have an effect on me as a seller's inventory levels, how it determines how it's going to price it? So out of the box, the AI does not um, look at the in, my own inventory levels as a seller because we're still we're still saying I want to capture the sales, but mm -hmm. I want to do it at the highest possible price. And so there are some sellers that say, "Look, I need to make sure that I'm in stock uh, for as long as possible, or I'm not going to be able to replenish for a long period of time." Or, you know, there's there's a trillion different scenarios, and I can go down that rabbit hole anytime. Um, but the the idea is that. Again, with the customizability, you can say, you know, if my quantity drops below 50, let's start to back off the buy box. You know, right. I don't need to be selling as much. And so that so we do have the capability to look at our own inventory levels and um, and make different repricing decisions. Um, but the common question that comes up is about my competitors inventory levels. And I know that there is a ton of um, there's, you know, some other tools, extensions that sellers will use. Um, in order to look at the inventory levels of their competitors. But at the end of the day, in order in order for us to be able to use that data, we would actually need it to come from Amazon themselves rather than um, rather than at the moment, you know, a third party or even scraping data. Um, because if anybody knows about you know the um, the develop the agreement with Amazon as a third party developer, um, we've agreed not to scrape data. So it's not something that um, because it and basically because it doesn't come from Amazon, um, we don't um, we don't use those data points to repress. I was gonna say, in terms of data, what what is yours versus what is Amazon's? Is Amazon is it all Amazon's data in this capacity um, uh, when you're doing repricing and looking at like trends and and flows of products? Does that does that make sense? Like, is this data that you can kind of 
say, hey, we know these trends are going to start happening. We can start to not manipulate, but we can start to look at it ourselves. That's not data that Amazon technically um, owns, is it? Right. So the data that comes in from Amazon or the data that SellerSnap uses at its core, let's start there, Yeah, is is raw data from Amazon, you know, um, whether M it's a MWS or API integrations or anything exactly, like that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So all that data that's available um, to the sellers through the API is made available to us. Mm -hmm. From there, we take that data, we run our own calculations, um, we, we manipulate it in our own way, we make our own assumptions in order to make the different repricing, repricing decisions, um, display certain information, um, you know, within the UI as well, uh, to, to give seller, um, to give the best possible picture to, to those sellers. Gotcha. So when, so if I'm an Amazon seller in the international marketplace, or if I'm just selling online and I want to use this across multiple different marketplaces where, especially since this show is international focused, where, what marketplaces do you guys help and, uh, offer solutions? Is it just.com or is there other places? So um, so we operate in both North America and the EU. Okay. Um, and so those are our, our, real, um, our real focus right now. And I can tell you, um, and I'm sure anyone who has ever dealt with Amazon from a uh, from a tech standpoint can tell you that there's always new things ha happening on Amazon. And so right now that is really our focus is to make sure that we, um, we continue to provide, you know, that awesome repricing and analytic service, um, for, for those marketplaces. What is the, uh, most exciting thing that you've seen, whether it's this tool or other uh, things that Amazon has rolled out from your expertise as an e-commerce pro, <laughs> what's the most exciting thing that's, that's coming or might be coming or that Amazon has like released recently in terms of like the capabilities for third-party sellers to, to kind of sell online. Yeah. So that's a great question. Exciting, upcoming, exciting things. We're all about the hard hitting uh, questions here. We like to talk about, you know, what people see on the other side, like what, what's uh, yeah. what gets, what gets them up in the morning? What gets them excited to be in the business though? So <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I'm, I'm totally understand that. So, I think one of the most exciting things that's gonna that's gonna be happening um, this year, and I, I have a quick one-two punch on this, is that the first thing is Amazon is um, has, is is and has recently made available a brand new API. So um, the old API is, you know, still up and operational. Everybody's using it, but it's gonna slowly, um, to my understanding, and again, I'm not not a developer, not um, not an expert on the on the coding side, but I believe that that is going to be phased out, and I'm sure at the size of Amazon, that could even be you know years in the future until they can completely move over. But that new API is um, supposed to have a lot of really great um, new information and more accurate information. And most exciting about that specific API, uh, the new API, is information on the business buy box on that b2b buy box okay. and that is the most um that is the most interesting thing that's going to be happening um that's going to be happening in the near future 
Gotcha. What about um, kind of the scariest data points that you're seeing, or most interesting data points that you're seeing that's come out? Uh, for example, and I'll lead the I'll lead the way with my own example. Recently announced, and this is just data in general. But I think January it was from January 2021 that 75% of the uh, new Amazon sellers are coming of that come into the marketplace in general. It's not scary. It's just kind of fascinating are all coming from China. Uh, so new Amazon sellers that are entering the Amazon ecosystem are all coming from China. That's fascinating to me because that's where China as a marketplace is showing, is seeing growth, not just as entrepreneurs, but as business people in general on Amazon. And there's just more people that see the value of selling on Amazon's ecosystem in general. Um, so there's not just this wave of Amazon sellers that are coming on and selling on their marketplaces, but majority of it is coming from uh, China. What do you think is kind of like data points that that are kind of like intriguing or like kind of you have to stop and think about that as a holistic e-commerce, like holistic viewpoint? Does that make sense? Yeah, you know, what's what's really interesting about um, about this whole thing is that we know that a lot of these you know Chinese e-commerce sellers are really keen to new opportunities and to capitalizing on the current opportunities out there. And so you know some from time to time you know you hear people saying that they all that you know you want to kind of expand your um, your e-commerce business outside of just one marketplace on Amazon. Um, and you know whether it's eBay, Shopify, Walmart, um, Etsy, you know, everything else in between Postmates. Um, and, and I think that, you know, there's something to be said about not putting all your eggs in one basket. Um, but also, also understanding that there's still very much an opportunity there. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. They, I mean, I, I would say that it's never, it's never too late to hop into e-commerce. Is there a marketplace that you guys think are, uh, like you said, you're focusing big on EU right now. Is there one in particular that you're really focused on in terms of the growth aspect of you'll see either see lots of sellers coming from or a lot more, uh, you know, just buying happening. Do you, do, you, do you see like a growth factor in terms of one of these marketplaces over another, for example, in terms of size wise and eyeballs, number one is obviously amazon.com. That's where the most people sell. That's where most people, uh, most of the market is going and most sellers are selling in. Um, sorry, I need to turn off my alarm. My wristwatch every, every day at 1045, it almost always wants to go off. I never set that alarm, but here we are. Um, <laughs> uh, so .com is number one by far and away. I think it's 4.1 billion views every single month, which is a lot. Um, right. number two and two a is Germany and UK. And I always tout this on the show is those are two, they're doing about 70% of the business in the EU is UK and Germany, albeit like they, they flip flop back and forth. And I think that's roughly. I want to say 1.8 billion views or so each is the last time I looked um, at those marketplaces. And then third is Japan, believe it or not. Third, in terms of eyeballs and traffic marketplace, it's Japanese.jp in terms of Amazon marketplace. Is there a marketplace on Amazon that you guys are looking at in terms of just the biggest potential, almost like a bet, if you had to put a bet on it with your own money 
your own uh, repricing strategies and whatnot, if you saw that there's going to be an X factor growth, where would that be it for you? Um, this doesn't have to be seller be snaps perspective. They could be your own perspective. Yeah, totally. Um, I think that um, when you're asking that question, two, two kind of geos and marketplaces came to mind. The first one is India. And the yeah. second one was the second one was Japan. Um, yeah. We know that Japan has, you know, some really is is growing really fast. Um, and the, you know, the interesting thing about Japanese culture, um, you know, to my understanding, is that they are super um, like understand brands, right? And 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 as a whole. Um, can trust brand getting being able to trust brands is um, something that um, is, there's a lot of value in that. And so you know, seeing that so many um, so many Japanese trust um, trust Amazon shows that there's huge potential there. And then and then India, you know, being one. I remember, you know, in the days of school, you learned about you know the developing BRICS nations, right? India is the I in that. Um, along with you know Brazil, Russia, and China, um, is just in terms of like the volume that um, of, of sales that you'd be able to you'd be able to get um, in India. I think there's a lot of interest there as well um, in terms of kind of an emerging Amazon market. Awesome, and those are all great insights. Do you think uh, is there before we kind of wrap up on the show today? Is there any other sort of like things that we need to know in terms of like repricing or like, again, in terms of like between rule-based or repressors or AI, Amazon repressors, anything specific that we can look at and we need to educate our audience on today that we might've missed. Yeah, I actually have, I got two things. Um, okay, that yeah, leave, leave us with these two nuggets. Yeah, exactly. Um, the first one, you know, it, it keeps coming back to, you know, you keep mentioning the idea of, international sellers. And I understand that, um, you know, your ping pong's customer base, um, uh, is really focused on, you know, kind of that, the cross border e-commerce, um, seller. Right. And one of the things that a lot of sellers might not realize when it comes to repricing is that when we are on a single marketplace or a single seller ID, which spans across multiple marketplaces, such as the EU, um, so you have your one seller ID, but your one seller ID operates um, in, you know, in the UK, France, Germany, Italy, Spain, uh, even the Netherlands, Sweden, everything else that they're opening up is that your the technical limit for the API is um, is the same, whether you're using you're utilizing, you know, a, a repricer on one marketplace on all of them so you're sharing resources in that in that matter so for example feeds and whatnot um when we're talking about repricing feeds you're sharing sharing um that limit that amazon gives you and so so um what i talk to a lot of eu sellers about is understanding just like you said you know we see we see the same thing in terms of the uk and germany being like the biggest being really the biggest markets and so Having a good look at how you're using technology and how you um, how you allocate those resources that are that are scarce at this point they're limited is is super important. So uh, so if you ever have a question about that, you know, um, 
they can um, they can reach out directly to me or SellerSnap, and we're happy to um, to talk through to talk through all these different um, technical intricacies. And then the second thing. And the second thing yep. goes back to what we what we spoke about earlier is in terms of using a repricer. If you find yourself, you know, with that problem of I'm spending too much time, um, I'm spending too much time repricing my items manually, or or even with a tool, that means it's it's already too late. You know, focus on the places where you can grow and expand, and leave the automation to the automators, right? And um, and that's why third parties. Um, softwares such as SellerSnap, such as ping pong exist is to provide um, to, pro to provide a service and to provide value in order to make your life easier so you can do what you do best in terms of sourcing and selling love it ian thank you so much again for hopping on as a guest today um i know that there's there's more we can dive into but uh in, in terms of a high level obviously we wanted to keep it pretty short and sweet today but for people who want to learn more information again i uh put in the comments uh of our show below but also if you check out the link in the comments section of uh of the show on social media you will be able to be directed to sellersnap.io um i know ping pong just hopped up on their on their page i believe just today in terms of like what opportunities we're going to be working with them to help our sellers grow internationally as well um, and I know there's more things coming from our end in partnership integration as well. So, uh, Ian, how can they maybe reach out to you directly if they want to work with you or just have questions like, hey, don't know exactly. This is the first time using a repricing tool. How do I get set up or anything like that? How do they best reach out to you guys? Um, so, you know, you can reach out to our team um, through sellersnap.io. Um, and ask any questions you want. I'm also on I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. You can look for Ian Kaneshiro. It's right here in this little this nifty little bar right here. <laughs> I never can get it right. There we go. Um, and you can look for you can look for Ian Kaneshiro on Facebook or LinkedIn. Happy to communicate that way. And if you prefer um, if you prefer email, you can find me at Ian at Sellersnap.io. That's awesome. And then one one final thing before we, we hop off today. What's it like living in Tel Aviv? I've met more people from Israel in terms of the tech space just online in 2021 than I ever have in my entire life. I feel like it's a big tech hub that's like really growing. What, what's it like? You moved from the United States over to Tel Aviv. What's that? What's kind of that process like? Is there maybe tell us your own like quick little high level uh, viewpoint of it? Yeah, that's I've that's never so. been, so that's why I'm curious. <laughs> first of all, first of all, when when the skies open up, come on over, man. You're more than welcome. I'll buy the beer. Um, and I have lots of people who are like, come on over to Israel, and I'm like, as soon as like I can, like yeah. I have to leave the I have to leave my state first. But that's kind yeah. of like that's first step. Yeah, <laughs> we're here for you. Um, but really, um, to to put it in a box, we have. I like to describe it as having kind of the tech of of Silicon Valley of San Francisco, right? Right. But the weather of LA. There you go. And so That's you got bad. the best of both worlds. You have the tech and you have the beach. And when you can combine that, it's mm -hmm. uh it's a lot of work, but there's also some play involved, which is uh yeah. which is the real reason why we do anything, right? Yeah, that's right. Ian, it snowed four to six inches this morning. So I have to go outside after this and uh snow blow my driveway. 
<laughs> so I'm not looking forward to that. I'm like, how how much longer can we can we stretch this podcast so I don't have to do that and get cold outside? But the- <laughs> fly here for the winter. I, I was at the beach yesterday and it was beautiful. So uh, alas, my wife will like look at me and say, I need to leave today at some point. I need that driveway. And I said, yes, ma'am. And I will. I love her very much. Again, yesterday was Valentine's Day and I knew that was going to be a uh, hey, honey, like let's, uh, so let's, let's talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like, let's talk about that driveway. We need to leave at some point today. It needs to happen. So, but yeah, I, uh, thanks man for hopping on again for this podcast of, uh, crossover commerce. It's been fantastic learning about again, the, just the basics of buy box. And then obviously how repricing tools can really help amp- amplify. Is there a statistic you can maybe leave us with like using a tool like this can maybe leave us with like, you know, just using a repressing tool can help grow X or help us grow Y or put this to the bottom line. Is there a statistic you guys tout? So there's no statistic we tout because again, every seller is different, you know, uh, depending on where you source from, how you source, you know, just because you have a repressor doesn't mean you'll be successful. Um, But I can tell you that, um, you know, all the seller, most third-party sellers with, you know, I'd, I'd say probably, you know, over 50 listings have a, uh, are using a third-party repricer. And so that is a, um, that, that should be something in itself to show you that if you're not, if you're not using a repricer, um, you should go out and find one. Awesome. Well, thank you, Ian, so much for hopping on today. Again, friend of the show, um, so much from Sell- Seller Snap, Ian Kinoshiro of Seller Snap. Go ahead and check them out online. Um, we put those in our show notes, so go ahead and check those out there. So, Ian, go ahead and stick around. I'll uh, come back to you before, right after we cap off this episode. So, All right. thanks, again. thanks again for hopping on. All right. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah. Awesome. And then, everyone, again, for watching us on Crossover Commerce, this is episode, again, 57, I believe, of our show. It's been fantastic because this is how we kick off our week. Almost every single week, we go to live four to five times a week on both LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. I'm going to be going crazy to this week because if you listened to me last week, I'm going live six times this week. How does the math work if you're talking about five times in a business week? I don't know because one of these days I'm going to be going live twice. Uh, so stick with me and make sure you tune in twice on Friday. This Friday, uh, we are going to be going live on multiple different ways. So this is how our week uh, uh, kind of lines up everyone. Uh, follow Ping Pong Payments on social media, especially on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And that's where we put all of our uh, upcoming episodes. And then follow myself on Ryan Kramer. Again, uh, if you search for Ryan Kramer on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook, that's where I put all of our content out there in terms of what's coming up in terms of our shows. So how this week works out, we had a fantastic conversation with Ian of Seller Snap. We're talking with Frank Acosta of uh, Creative Percent. We're gonna be talking and going over building brands that move with Amazon video ads. So we're talking about video ads and how to stand out and build your brand through video ads tomorrow. After that, we're gonna be coming and talking about sourcing. One of my great, uh, one of the great minds in sourcing, uh, Kian Gazari of uh, Sourcing by Kian. He has a fantastic YouTube page. He has worked with the NBA. He has worked with the Olympics. He has worked with uh, big brands, X, Y, Z. He's also a big component of the Titan network. If you're an Amazon seller, uh, huge in the Amazon space in those kind of circles. But we're going to be going over sourcing and product sourcing in 2021, everything you need to know on a high level. So we're going to be talking with him on Wednesday. On Thursday, we're going to go over with uh, Joe Valley of Quiet Light Brokerage. Again, 
exiting Amazon businesses, such a huge topic to cover in 2020 and 2021. We want to go over with him how to re reverse engineer a path to an exit. So he's going to educate us in terms of how that looks. Um, and then Friday, I'm really excited about Friday because I have two, uh, two again, episodes that we're going to be touting with. Um, my first one is going to be in the morning. It's going to be 10 a.m. Eastern. So it's really exciting. I'm going to have Basically, I'm calling it the Women of Amazon Roundtable in, in kind of partnership with uh, Branded by Women event that's going on, I believe, next week. We wanted to have some of the best minds in the Amazon ecosystem um, and just talk about what 2021 looks like, their brand stories, their success stories, both on the seller side and on the service provider side. So I'm really excited to uh, have multiple women on. We're just going to talk about Amazon ecosystem on Friday. And then also Friday afternoon, Andrew Morgan's of Marketology. We're going to be building, talking about building your Amazon legacy. So go ahead and stick with me through this really crazy, but awesome uh, content week of crossover commerce. Again, I'm Ryan Kramer, the host of this show. Uh, this is it's been a pleasure to bring episodes like this to you. So go ahead and let us know what you think whether on social media and tag us on there or go ahead and share these episodes so that your network can see it again on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Again, Ryan Kramer of Ping Pong Payments, and this is our show, Crossover Commerce. Thank you for listening to us today and join us again tomorrow where we have more exciting Amazon and e-commerce content coming at you. Stay safe, everyone.